Well, church, it's time for a word from the Lord. I hope you're ready for a word. If you are ready for a word from the Lord, why don't you put in the comments, it's time. Put it's time in the comments. I am excited to open up God's word. We are going to be in 1 Kings, the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Let me pause and let you know I'm in a different environment. I am in Chicago, Illinois, uh, doing some work up here. And my brother, John Aragon, who has recorded me before in the past, is recording me now. So shout out to John Aragon. Um, shout out to Mark Reddy for letting me use his house as I record I want to be consistent in getting you the word. Don't want to recycle anything. I want to give you a fresh word because I believe this season is so important for us. Once again, if you missed this earlier, we are having an in-person interest meeting for All Nations Pensacola as we are shifting and transitioning our name from New Dimensions to All Nations Pensacola over the next few months. We're going to have that interest meeting this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock p.m., and that is going to be at the Cobb Center, the ES Cobb Resource Center downtown. Many of you know we were having midweek Bible study there. So I want to encourage you to sign up for the registration in the pinned comment or the description up, up, up above or below. And I want to encourage you to sign up because it is going to be phenomenal. Trust me, it is going to be phenomenal. And I want you there. I want you there. I want us to test the limits of how many people to let get in the room. Trust me. I want you to be there. I don't want anyone to miss this opportunity. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, we're going to be begin in verse 1, and I'm also going to read verse 41 as well. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 goes like this. It says, later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. I will soon send rain. And verse 41, which says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Lift up your hands right now. God in heaven, we thank you for your word. It is true. It is timeless. It never changes. And God, I thank you that even though it is timeless, it is also timely that you have a word for our church right now in the season that we are in. And God, I thank you that for each person that is represented here, you care about our stories, you care about our pains, you care about our struggles, and God, you care about our desires and our longings. So God, would you be present with us? Be present with the mothers and the fathers. Be present with the sons and the daughters. Be present with the widows and the orphans. Be present with the poor and the rich, God. Would you be present with all of us, with the oppressed, with those who are marginalized, as you have said you would be in your word? God, I pray that there is a supernatural awakening in our hearts today. I feel this, God, that there is a supernatural awakening in our hearts to have the capacity to believe you for what is next. God, I speak by faith that we are not going to have boxed thinking. We're not going to have limited thinking. We're not going to have binary thinking, God. But wherever you have called for us to expand our imagination and to, and to heighten our senses for what you are going to do, in expectation, God, I speak that this church will come together in faith and believe for everything that you have called for us to have. God, right now, I speak uh, the, the gift of faith over our church, God. We come into agreement with everything that you have called for us to have, with everything that you have called for us to do. We come into agreement with your word. Whatever you have placed in our hands and intended to be in our grasp, cannot be taken away by the enemy, cannot be taken away by people, cannot be taken away by whatever we may perceive to be our opposition. God, we thank you that you are victorious. 
that the king reigns, that the king rules, that the king is not threatened, that the king lives, that the king is on the throne and cannot be removed and cannot be voted out and cannot be supplanted and there's no mutiny that can be successful. God, I thank you, God, that there is truth in your word and that truth is rooted in your reality, God. It's not rooted in what we desire most, but it's rooted in what you have said the truth is. So God, would you open our hearts? Would you break up the fallow ground on the inside of us? God, would you plant the seeds of the gospel deep in the soils of our souls? God, would you light us on fire? God, would you give us a passion to reach the city? Would you give us a passion to love our neighbors? Would you give us a passion to lift you up more? I don't know why I'm praying so long. I need you to enter in with me. God, I thank you that there is no demon from the pit of hell. There is no satanic scheme. There is no enemy force that can stand against the people of God. When the spirit of the Lord is standing, there is no flood that can be lifted against us. There is no flood that can wash us away, no fire that can consume us. But God, I thank you that when you are on our side, that we are not just simply saying we have the victory. We are grasping and walking in that victory. I thank you, Lord. I thank you right now, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you are going to communicate today. And God, would you give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know what was going on, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I felt that. I felt that I needed to pray that type of prayer. So I, I love you. I gave a couple of, I gave a couple of extra minutes, but here we go. Okay. First Kings chapter 18. As you know, we've been in this series called Godspeed, right? Type Godspeed in the comments. Godspeed. Divine pace for divine purpose. And one of the things that we've been saying is if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the first things that you have to learn how to do is change your pace. One of the first things you must learn how to do is change your pace. You must match your pace to what God desires for you, not where you desire to be, right? And so what we've been saying as an objective statement is this, when we get there is not as important as how we get there. So whatever time we arrive at our destination is not as important as the condition of our soul. When we get to that destination, whatever it may be. So we want to fall in line and fall in love with where God has us, not where we think we should be. There is such beauty and safety and humility and realization. I mean this, wherever God has you, fall in line and in love with that. Wherever God has you, I mean that. For the people who are not where they desire to be right now, fall in line and in love with where God has you, not where you desire to be. Uh, why? Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 has said this, that God makes everything beautiful or appropriate in the CSB in its time. That God will perfect you in the time that you need to be perfected. That God will move you in the time that you need to be moved. That God will advance you in the time you need to be advanced. God will promote you in the time you need to be promoted. Whatever you desire or whatever you believe God wants to do in your life, God is in charge of it. Amen? God is in charge of it. So we've been talking about a number of different things. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this particular motif and theme in the Godspeed series. It's called the shift, the shift, type the shift in the comments, the shift. Now the shift is when God moves exactly opposite of how you thought he would. When God is doing something or you see that God is doing something or you perceive that God is doing something and God is moving in an alternate way at an alternate route. And all of us have at least one place in our lives where God is moving unexpectedly. 
where God is doing things supernaturally, where God is doing things at a different pace than what you have expected. So this is what we must remember when we talk about the shift. Hear me, church. God will always show up, just not how you think he will. God will always show up, just not how you think. God is always going to show up. God is always going to be present, just not in the way you expect. And so as we think about the shift, we want to talk again about this reality when it comes to the shift. Hear me, church. Last week, we talked about shifting our expectations for the messenger, shifting who we listen to. Hear me. This week, I want to talk about shifting our senses, shifting our senses, type senses in the comments. You know, there are a lot of things to love about the Bible. There are a lot of things to be excited about when it comes to the Bible. We can talk about the wisdom of the scriptures. We can talk about the reality of the the powerful stories, the supernatural demonstrations that are within the scriptures. We can talk about the compelling characters and narratives. And, And there's also some things that are very frustrating about the scriptures, right? There are some things we don't understand, some things we don't comprehend, some things that we may have misinterpreted or misapplied some ways in which we approach the scripture that can be unhelpful. But when it comes to the good things about the Bible, here's my favorite thing about the scriptures. My favorite thing about the Bible. My favorite thing about the Bible is this reality. It all takes place in the physical world. My favorite thing about the Bible is that we are literally encountering human beings, literally encountering the God who created us, who spoke us into existence, who formed and fashioned us with his own hands. And listen, I know that a lot of people think of the Bible as simply something for the far out there, something for the ethereal, something for the spiritual or the supernatural alone. But I'm here to remind you that God is literal, that God desires to get down where we are. There was a group of people who, when they talked about God, when they talked about Jesus, they believed that everything in the material world was evil. They were called the Gnostics, G-N-O-T-I-S-C-S, the Gnostics. And the Gnostics were the people who thought that everything was evil. And so they said Jesus would definitely never come down and be a part of the physical world. Jesus wouldn't come down and have a body with skin and flesh and hair. Jesus wouldn't come down and have a bowel movement. Jesus wouldn't come down and have bodily functions. Jesus wouldn't come down and have saliva. Jesus wouldn't come down and be a part of this because the material world is evil and God wants to stay far away. Well, sorry to the Gnostics, but the truth of the matter is this. We know this because we have encountered it and we know this because the Bible testifies of it. God is not afraid of the mess of humanity. God is not afraid of the physical world. And if God is not afraid of the physical world, if the king of all kings, if the word made flesh can be made flesh to a teenage unwed mother in a womb that is considered by people to be unclean, could come in a place called Nazareth, which was deemed to be less than, could be born among animals, could live and walk a working class existence, could be outcast in an oppressed society. If Jesus can come down and physically incarnate himself amongst our physical being in our literal world with all its mess, what mess do you think God is not going to show up in in your life? What mess do you think is too messy for God? What mess do you think just doesn't compute with God's character or God's nature? What mess do you think you've made that God can't step in 
and redeem you in the middle of or redeem you out of? What mess is in your life that you literally believe that it's too dirty, it's too messy, it's too rotten, it's too evil for God to touch it? I'm here to remind you, church, that there is no mess that's too messy for God. <laughs> Can someone testify? Can someone wave at me? Because you know where you were when God found you. You know where you were when you got saved. You know where you were when you were in the muck and the miry clay and God reached down and grabbed you and said, yes, I want to save you. I want to redeem you. I want to deliver and liberate you. I want to pull you out of the mess that you're in, out of darkness, into my marvelous light. I've been there. And if you've been there, can you wave at me? God isn't afraid of the messy church. God isn't afraid of the mess. And I love this about the scriptures because what it shows us is that God interacts with the physical world with the realities and the boundaries that he's placed within it. And what am I saying? I'm saying that God interacts with us in our senses, that God interacts with us in a physical, literal, real way. And church, I'm here to tell you as we're making this transition, you need to understand that what is most important for our church is that we shift our senses, that we shift our expectation, that we shift our desires, that we shift what we are looking for, that we shift the things that would keep us boxed in and keep us in the mentality that God is moving in a different way and God doesn't desire to use us or our church or our family or our situation or our unique story, but that we would shift our senses to match what God is doing in the earth. Do you believe that God is moving? Do you believe that God is moving in you? Uh, sit with that for a second. Because many of us have what the scriptures would call in, in 1 Kings 18, a drought. <laughs> we have a spiritual drought. It's not that there's nothing that's going well for us. It's not that there's nothing that we could see and look at and say, that's something to be proud of. That's something to applaud. But the truth of the matter is many of us are in stations and states of drought. Is that you? Are you dry and thirsty? Do you desire for at least one area of your life to be lush and producing and flourishing, but it does not seem like it is? Is that you, church? Are you in a space where you're in a relational drought? Are you in a space where you are in a physical drought because you have sickness in your body? Are you in a space where you're in a vocational drought, where it doesn't seem like you're progressing in the ways that you have expected God to allow you to progress? Are you in a drought today, church? I have good news for you because many of us believe that our droughts are permanent. But what I love about 1 Kings chapter 18 is that God speaks and says something. Take a look at this. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. It says, later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, the Lord provoked an answer and a conversation with his prophet. And the Lord said this, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. And after three years of a drought, think about this, capture this. We've all been in hurricanes, most of us in the South. We've been through hurricanes, so we know what it's like to go without running water. We know what it's like to go without clean water for a very limited, very short period of time. Our brothers and sisters and family 
in other countries and in other continents could tell us what that is like over months or over years or perhaps even over a lifetime. But imagine a three-year drought when things had been producing and then all of a sudden they dry up. Isn't that the most frustrating thing about droughts? Is because they typically come on the end of a time when you should be thanking God or praising God or something should be producing or something should be going well or something should be powerful. And it doesn't seem like God is moving in the same way. It, it, has that ever happened for someone? Has that ever happened for you? where it seems as though you should be producing and progressing because you just graduated from college, you just got married, you just got the job promotion, you just got all the things, you got your ducks in a row, and all of a sudden you enter into a dry season, a dry place, a dry state. And here what we see is the prophet Elijah is told to present himself to King Ahab. He is told to confront the king of the land and the king's queen, Jezebel, and to tell them that rain was coming. Uh, we've talked about this story before in our church, and it's fascinating because Elijah enters into this massive confrontation between him, the prophet of the Lord, and the prophets of Baal. On Mount Carmel, they come up and they ask for the God who will try and show up by fire. And the prophets of Baal, they go and they, they wail and they cut themselves and they create altars and they do their rituals and that God does not show up. And Elijah digs a trench, digs, digs a mini well around the rocks that are presented, the altar that is constructed, and God answers Elijah by fire. God answers Elijah by fire and all the people know that God is the one true God. But here's what's interesting. Right after that, right after the prophets of Baal had been executed, something happens. Verse 42 says this. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed his face with his face between his knees. And then he said to his servant, catch this, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said this. I don't see anything. <laughs> What's the first sense that has to be shifted? There are three questions that we have to ask ourselves. Three questions that we have to hear. Three questions that we have to give the perspective of. Number one is this, what did you expect? <laughs> what did you expect? Type expectation in the comments. What did you expect, church? In seasons of drought, in seasons of famine, in seasons of spiritual dryness, most of the time what we expect is for God to move mightily and supernaturally. And many times, catch this, God moves incrementally. There has to be a shift. We think God will move supernaturally and often God moves incrementally. God moves slowly. It's odd to me that God answered Elijah after 62 words of a prayer on Mount Carmel with fire, with a clear demonstration of his power and his presence. He powerfully moves. He powerfully acts. But when it comes to the rain and the drought, he moves slowly. Isn't that a lot like our lives? Isn't that a lot like God's speed? How one area seems to be progressing and then another area seems to be stagnating? Isn't it so frustrating? Don't you just wish that everything would fire the right way all at the same time? 
Don't you just wish that things would be clicking on all cylinders? Don't you just wish that God would let everything move quick? Everything close the gap? Everything be in a space of flourishing? How is it that I'm progressing in one area and regressing in another? I'm, I'm progressing in one area and I'm stagnating in another. How is it that all these things can exist at the same time? And if I was Elijah, I would ask the question, God, what's wrong with my expectation? Because it doesn't make sense that you answer with fire quickly and you answer with water slowly. Why is it that you move like this? And my question is, what do we expect? What is it that you expect God to do? And how is it that you expect God to do it? This messes with our imagination. It messes with our minds. It messes with our thoughts because we have to question the reasons why we thought God was subject to our timeline. We have to question why we thought God was subject to our timetable. We thought God was subject to our request. We thought God was subject to our five-year plan. We thought God was subject to our goals, to our expectations, to our projections. And I'm here to tell you, church, God doesn't move according to the time you think God should move. Shift your expectation. Embrace the supernaturally and embrace the incrementally. You know what I want our church to be as we transition into this all nation season? I want our church to be able to expect God to move supernaturally and be patient when God moves incrementally. For us not to panic when it seems like God is advancing us quickly in one, in one area, in one sector, in one space, but moving at a snail's pace according to people's standards in another. Hear me, church, we have to shift and adjust the sense of expectation that we have for God. God is moving. God is shifting. God is God is doing something supernatural. Even in our church, I've seen it. I've seen things behind the scenes that will blow your mind. There is a way being prepared that most of you do not even know. There is a way and an expectation that is being built around what our church is doing, around what we are about to step in as a body. That's just for our faith community. That's just for our body of believers. But then there are other areas where I'm so frustrated because God, why won't you do this? Why, won't, why can't we have this? Why can't we have that? Why can't we have what they have? Why can't we have this? Why can't we experience that? And God is saying, I'm moving supernaturally. Why can't you praise me for the supernatural and be patient in the incremental? I know this isn't a shouting word, but I just want you to hear this. Just because God is moving supernaturally in one area, it doesn't mean that the incremental areas mean you're out of alignment with him. Shift your sense of expectation. Shift what you expect. It's funny because the servant who many people think to be the widow's son that Elijah raised from the dead, the servant uh, says to Elijah, he says, I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything. And then seven times Elijah tells him to go back. Go back and check again. I don't see anything. Go back and check again. I don't see anything. And imagine Elijah bent down with head between his knees at the top of Mount Carmel in the place where he should be able to experience all of the power and the presence of God fall immediately, not incrementally. And what does Elijah have to hear? It doesn't work yet. 
It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't come to pass. Here's my second question. Not just what did you expect? Hear this church. What did you hear? What do you hear? What do you hear church? What do you hear when in verse one of first Kings 18, God gives you the promise Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. And then in verse 43, then later on in the passage, you hear it's not happening from people. Whose word, whose sound, whose promise, whose assessment will you value? Here's the dirty truth. Here's the uncomfortable fact. You want to hear something that's going to mess with you? Uh, oftentimes, what we value the most in terms of what we hear, it's not the words of other people. It's the words we speak ourselves. See, a lot of people would say, you know what? You just need to silence other people. Mute what other people are saying. Mute their words. Mute the peanut gallery. Mute what they say. Mute what they think. You know what the bigger problem is? We don't mute ourselves. And so we end up speaking things and believing things and coming into agreement with things that contradict the promise. You have to believe God's promise over your own perspective, over your own words, over your own sentences, over your own paragraphs, over your own assessment of what God is doing. And here's the problem, church. If you want to enter in at God's speed, and shift your expectations. You cannot overvalue what you see and what you say. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. And God's promise to Elijah was still valid. God's promise to you is still valid. It's still true. It's still real. And many of us, just, we just don't realize that we have elevated our own words above the promise of God. And all we hear is our mind. All we hear is what we say. All we hear is what we believe. All we hear is what people are telling us, what people are assessing in us. Can I encourage you, church? Do not allow the words of people or the words of yourself to supersede God's promises. But keep in mind what God said. What did God say? and repeat what God has said, not what you see. Final, final question here, it relates to what we see. The final question is this, what do you see? What do you expect? Or what did you expect? What do you hear and what do you see? Because here's what he says, after he tells the servant to return seven times, this is what it says in verse 44, finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud, I see just a glimpse, I see just a little bit, but it's a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's rising from the sea, so it's not even really up at its highest point. It's in the horizon and it's small and it's rising, but it's not very much. It's not very impressive. It's not very great. And Elijah knows then immediately that that's going to turn into a mighty rainstorm. And then Elijah, finally, after that seventh time, he shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. What do you see, church? What do you see? It's the question I'm going to continually ask you. 
Our first Sunday, whenever we have our first launch at All Nations Pensacola, I'm going to ask you to look around and I'm going to ask this question. What did you see? What do you see? It may not be fully formed yet, but when you look out into the horizon of our church, when you look out into the horizon of our city and our community, what do you see? I want to remind you of something. Great blessings often arise from small beginnings. Great blessings often arise from small beginnings. Just because it looks small now, just because it looks simple now, just because it looks tiny now, it looks mini now, doesn't mean God isn't going to move. And I'm here to encourage someone to ask God to remove the blinders from your eyes so that you can see everything God has for you. I want you to actually take these questions and write them down. What did you expect? What do you hear? What do you see? Take them, write them down right now. What did you expect? What did you hear? What do you see? And I want you to take some time this afternoon and in certain areas of your life where you feel like there are drought, I want you to write out answers to them. Why? Because I want you to shift your senses. Once you write down the answers, I want you to give them to the Lord and I want you to lift them up to God and say, God, help me to adjust my perspective. Help me to line up with your shift. Because I'm telling you, church, in this next season, what we expect, what we hear, and what we see will be crucial. And just like Elijah, if we can posture ourselves in prayer and if we can posture ourselves in humility, God will move. God is already moving, just not how we feel. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, 
I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you wanna sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NBCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler and on behalf of our entire team. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.